Welcome to the Dodgers Prospects Podcast. We are back, Casey Porter, Tim Rogers. We are back with the Dodgers Prospects Podcast, so we're so glad that you decided to tune in and give us another chance here. So, Tim, how are you doing this afternoon? Very excited to get this podcast started again. Yeah, definitely excited. I mean, when we you reached out recently and said, let's let's do this, let's get this started again, it's like, let's do it, because uh, I think we, we did well, and now we're I think we're really ready to roll, and it's kind of like part two, right? And let's yeah, get no rolling. doubt. And no better time to do it, of course. The, the regular season is very busy. We both go to a lot of games. I know you got a lot of really good interviews from a lot of great players. So did I there in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. So very busy, and I know that, that you've been in Florida – Helping your son move, is that correct? Well, actually, the, the, the younger one, I went out to Disney World. He works at Disney World. Okay. And so I was watching him uh, do his uh, – he's in entertainment, so it's like he's got talent that none of us have and the rest of us have in our family. So All it was right. fun to go out there. Now I'm moving the other one to Texas next week. What part of Texas? Um, uh, Northern Austin. Not in the city, but a little bit outside of it. Uh, not Houston, right? No, no, no. It's Liberty <laughs> Hill or something like that. It's still, okay. in, it's outside of Austin. Yeah. yeah, that's a great area, and that's an area that's growing. Of course, uh, the Texas Rangers AAA Club is right there at Round Rock, so mm-hmm. you might get to see the Oklahoma City Dodgers, or he might if you're there watching or visiting him, whatever, might get to go see the AAA Dodgers quite a bit there in Round Rock, Texas. So, hey, we have a busy show today. Like we said, the regular season, very busy. So off season, the hot stove has already hit. We've already talked a lot of Rule 5 stuff. We've talked about all the guys who have been protected, not protected. The guys that we may lose, that Rule 5 draft comes up on December 7th next month. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, you know, do the Dodgers need more pitching? Of course, you have... Yadias and you have Gonsolin, you have Dustin May coming back. Nobody knows exactly what he's going to be able to give you this next year coming off the Tommy John. Then also you have Kershaw, he's a little bit older, so you kind of got a game plan into his situation that he's going to be out at least certain parts of next year. You never know, mm-hmm. but you would have to at least game plan to that. So that leaves you with four starters. And then a fifth spot that we're going to talk about today between the four big ones, Ryan Pepio, Michael Grove made their debuts last year. And then obviously Bobby Miller and his 100-plus fastball. And then Gavin Stone, who is the minor league pitcher of the year in the Dodgers organization. So that's our topic for today. We're going to cover those four in extent. So very excited about that. So, hey, let's go ahead and start with the, the two guys that the Dodgers fans have already seen, Ryan Pepio, Michael Grove. What was your impression of them? Um. Yeah, they they had their moments, um, both good and bad. Um, one of the concerns that I had, it was kind of the the Mitchell White syndrome of, well, a guy goes and pitches one start, gets back on the plane the next day, back to Oklahoma City, and then flies out again, possibly in, in ten more, you know, ten days later or something like that. Sometimes they would just leave them in, in uh, on you know on the taxi squad, but I, I don't think they neither neither of them were able to really get into a pattern. Um, I saw a lot of good stuff. I mean, you could see you know the swing and miss with Pepio, forty two um, strikeouts, you know, yeah, in in thirty eight point one innings. Yeah, and he only gave up I think it was twenty six hits. Yeah, three point four seven ERA. So the ERA actually was pretty good. It was just the walks and. And not yeah. as many strikes as the, I think Dodgers fans would have liked to have seen. Right. And, you, I mean, you, you can see it. I mean, he, he misses almost you – know, a lot of his misses are, are in the right-handed batter's box. You know, that, that changeup goes and fades too much, and the fastball runs a lot. 
um, uh, to that side. Um, and I, I, those seem to be very adjustable. And so mm-hmm. I, I overall, I was happy with them, and I, I would have I would have gone with them a lot more during the season. I think it would have helped to save some arms. I think we talked this briefly on Twitter. I think we're both in favor of a six-man rotation. Yeah. And um, and then with Grove, um, it was so great to see. It's it, you wrote a you wrote an amazing article about him last year, just about how a good dude he is and about his journey. And I saw th- that journey at Rancho yeah. at beginning of 2019, where he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and they're limiting him to tw- two innings maybe, and he's struggling even with those. And he struggled up really until what? Would you say like August 2021? And then yeah. all of a sudden he found it. I think well, it was, the, it was the Tommy John surgery. I think most people yeah. don't realize that West Virginia, he did not pitch the back half of his sophomore year or his entire junior year and then got drafted yeah. in 2018. So, And then 2020 got canceled. So really when you look at 2021, yeah. the, the time that you're talking about, and then especially 2019, he had not pitched – since basically you now the first half of his sophomore year, which was almost two years. So no doubt I mean, he had some amazing. rust. Yeah, and, and, and some people expect Tommy John guys to come back real fast. I know during the season there was like, oh, Dustin May's coming back. Yeah. You know, not everyone comes back like Justin Verlander did. I mean, it's or amazing. Or Walker Buehler, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it takes a while. Uh, what's his name? Um, ah, uh, the, the Red Sox left-hander, um, Chris... Um, Sale? Oh, sale. Yeah, yeah. Why is it that? So, that's falling apart. Um, <laughs> you know, it took, he never, he's, he, even when he came back, he did not have the same command. And you saw that with Dustin. And so, the ball, you know, the ball's just not going where they think it's going right. to go. And, and with, with uh, Grove, that happened. And it happened for a longer time because of what you just talked about. I mean, he just didn't, can you imagine you're, you're a pitcher and it's what, 2017? Yeah, and you really don't start even pitching again till 2019, and the the, the Dodgers, of course, slow rolled mm-hmm. him, and then 2020 uh, canceled the entire minor league season. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, his control was better. Um, he did get hit more. I think it was uh, 32 hits in in 29 innings. Home run ball hurt him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but those some of those things are just those are learning things where. It is big league hitters. Yeah, uh, you you miss. They're gonna they're gonna make you pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which so, makes, uh, in my opinion, what Pepio did even more impressive. And I can tell you, I've talked to both of those guys. So have you. They are just wonderful young men. And mm-hmm. you know, I was talking to Gus Varlin. He was a Dodgers top thirty prospect when he came over from the A's. And Gus started this year as a starter with Tulsa. And congratulations to his brother Louie, by the way. Yeah. I'm sure you know this, but a lot of Dodgers fans may not. But Gus and Louie are brothers. They got to face each other twice this year. Louie is in the Minnesota organization and played while he was still with Wichita, who is a double-A affiliate of Minnesota. The the Wichita played, of course, Wichita and Tulsa is a big rivalry now. They call it the Propeller Series. But Louie and Gus got to face off against each other. Gus yeah. got the better half of the first one. I got to talk to both of them at the same time. Really cool experience. But Louie actually made his major league debut this year. So Gus Varland, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get that in there. He definitely has the bloodlines. And Gus transitioned to the bullpen and was throwing 98 and some say even 99 towards the end of this year. So made some arm adjustments, went to the bullpen, really high on Gus Varland. We'll get to him in a different show. But I only say that to say 
I was talking to him one day before one of the chances we had a, a, a chance to talk, and he mentioned, you know, he had the, the Tommy John too, and he's like, you know, it's not that you can't throw the ball. It's not that you don't have all the stuff. It's just it doesn't feel right. You know, nothing feels yeah. like it used to. And so, you know, pitchers are so feel-heavy, especially now with all the change-ups and all that. When it just doesn't feel right, it's totally different. So, you know, we're talking about that with Michael Grove with that with that Tommy John surgery, you know, whenever – and especially when you don't have the experience. I mean, he barely even had college experience, you know, because yeah. we're talking, what, a freshman year, true freshman year, and then half of a sophomore year, then that's it, then 2020 gets canceled. So when you think about that, he came from that – and then 2021, I'm going to point blank put it, it was a rough adjustment period. I mean, if you look at his ERA numbers, he gave up a lot of home runs. It was a tough year, which is why at the end of last year, 2021, whenever he's put on the 40-man, everybody except for people who follows it like you and I were like, what? what? Where did this guy come from? What What in the world happened here? Well, if you followed the talent, uh, you would know how exactly how talented Michael Grove is, always has been, but his situation has been that he's been recovering from the Tommy John, doesn't have a whole lot of innings under his belt. And so as we're seeing, as he builds, Tim, I think you can see the talent, the big curveball, the fastballs in the 94, 95, 96 range, and then he's added also the slider. Yeah, and you know, and it's you're bringing up you know the surprise of some people, and you know, like I said, we weren't. But, not at all, yeah. You know, just, just because the MLB top prospects at 30 says Michael Grove's at a certain level or someone else, they don't know what the Dodgers no. really think. Well, look at the organizational all-stars. How many of them aren't top 30 prospects, right? Right. Ryan Noda and Drew Avins and those guys, I mean, yeah. are, are the best players Jason in Martin. the organization. Say again. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Martin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So continue on with your thought there, Tim. Yeah, um, you know, they just don't – the Dodgers have their own ways of doing things. I mean, and we're going to talk about him, and I'm, I've shared this story a little bit, but Gavin Stone was not mm-hmm. a really high-rated guy. But I saw his debut at Rancho well, – actually, it wasn't at Rancho. It was in San Bernardino against the Angels affiliate, and he struck out you know a lot of guys. And then it was opening day at Rancho. This was still when everyone was locked out with – you know, the fans couldn't – we, they were spreading the fans out, and even the media couldn't go in. And I got locked out w- waiting for to get in with Charlie Huff. And so oh, I'm talking with cool. Charlie Huff, who's an instructor with the Dodgers and former, you know, played for the Dodgers with years for years, the Rangers, the Marlins. And um, and I was just talking, just throwing out names, and I said Gavin Stone, and he just looked at me, kind of a glimmer in his eye, and just goes, "Yeah, Gavin Stone." And this, you know, this he wasn't even in the top thirty at the time. And now you've seen a pitcher like Gavin Stone that the Dodgers really believe in. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's getting all the notoriety. And, uh, you know, he, I don't know what we'll be talking about, but I think he debuts in 2023 some, at some point. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think those four are going to, between Pepio, Grove, Bobby Miller, we'll get to him too, and then mm-hmm. also Gavin Stone, they're going to all fill that fifth role. And then when you look at Dustin May, He's not going to be able to give you a complete set of innings for an entire season. Clayton Kershaw, his history would tell you that you're going to need to fill in innings for him as well. Julio Urias, of course, you yeah. don't want to wear him down. And then, obviously, Tony Gonsolin, he's 
been injured quite a bit. So, yeah. you know, if you don't go out and get pitching, which, you know, I think I blew up Twitter the other day, whatever. Yeah. I, said, I don't <laughs> think. And what right. I meant by that was I don't think the Dodgers have to go out and aggressively just go break the bank to go get a pitcher. Does that make sense? I think if they Absolutely. go get one that makes sense within their price structure, you know, they're wanting to reset that luxury tax, then go right ahead. Because if you look at the Tyler Andersons and Andrew Heaney's in a lot of ways – those guys that the Dodgers have done a great job scouting and bringing in that have fit the price structure have been more valuable to them than maybe even a Max Scherzer. Would you agree with that? In a lot of ways. I mean, when you look at the value. Yeah. I mean, and um, and let's be honest, in the playoffs, uh, Tyler Anderson was pretty darn pretty good. Pretty darn good, yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, was Andrew Heaney. No, he was, yeah. I mean, he pitched, what, four innings of relief, mm-hmm. um, you know, with because Gonzalez and I hated the Dodgers kept throwing out guys into the lineup and on the mound yeah. that weren't 100% yeah. or not even close. Someone shouldn't even have been on the roster, but it's like, eh. But, you know, one of the, just as a guy like Anderson and Heaney, my target that I would be signing is uh, Sean Manea. Yeah. The, the guy from the Padres last year and the A's before that. I just think he's a guy that, that the Dodgers uh, – uh, pitching which doctors would uh, yeah. would probably turn him back into something someone really good. There's yeah, a Mark Pryor, there. Rob Hill, go to work with oh, the yeah. drive line guys. Go to work with the Connor guy like McGinnis. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gavin Stone, the minor league pitcher of the year last year, he was an organizational all star. He went to the University of Central Arkansas. He's from the Jonesboro area, which is the Arkansas State area. And in his last game in 2020, before that season got shut down for the University of Central Arkansas, threw a no-hitter. So, I mean, if you talk to, like, Nick Harlan, his pitching coach in college, and all of the guys who have coached him in the past, and uh, Buster Campbell, who was his high school coach back there, at his high school at Riverside. If you talk to those guys, they are not surprised at all by what Gavin Stone is doing. And Gavin Stone, the thing that he's done, of course, he reached 98 miles an hour with his fastball. He doesn't sit 98, obviously. He's a 94 to 96 kind of guy, but he has hit 98 with it. But what he did towards the end of 2021, he added that changeup. And I'm not sure Mm -hmm. that that changeup isn't his best pitch right now. That changeup that Gavin Stone throws is unbelievable. Man, that would be a heck of a, an addition to the arsenal. If that is, if it, if it really is evolving into that that type of thing, and and I think with Gavin Stone, what what I just kind of looking at it, it seems that he throws, he's able to be more efficient than the other pitchers we've been talking about, and I think that is a uh, an extra level that that it shows shows a little something extra. I think all those other guys can become more efficient. It's just a matter of yeah, and you know, I think you, you, we see how these things are. It's like yeah, Gavin Stone, forty-four these, walks and one hundred and twenty-one point two innings. To to go yeah. to your point there, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even the number of pitches I think were. Le- I mean, he was going le- longer into games than some of the other guys. Even though Pepio did throw some um, in the minors, was definitely mm-hmm. um, throwing better. But you know, that it seems that we we see this. But it's like, hey, big guy, go out there and throw as hard as you can. For as long as you can, and we'll pull you after five. Yeah, uh, I, I personally, I hate that. Oh, it's terrible. I really, and I tweeted it, about it. You know, even during the time, whenever you know, and and whenever they pulled Tyler Anderson, and oh. I think at the fourth inning, I tweeted, "This is what's going to happen," and I'm not. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and the don't get me wrong, the Dodgers front office is right way more than it's the best one going in Major League Baseball. I don't I don't mean that to be a criticism. We're just simply talking from the analytics perspective. It works for the regular season, doesn't always work in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, well, even even during the regular season, if you were one of the things that the that our 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 I guess kind of rivals now are the Padres. They did a six-man rotation yeah. for at least half the season. Yeah, you brought that up on Twitter. I like that idea. Yeah, and they they let they let their pitchers go a little bit longer, save their bullpen a bit, and also you know the, the starters had that extra day and it let them stretch out. Yeah, their starters were fresher than ours. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think um, with those four guys, you have the ability to go to a six man because when you talk about Pepio, Grove, Miller, and Gavin Stone, they all need major league experience this next year. I I agree. I mean, I think uh, I'm a, I'm very excited to see uh, Miller. I've yeah. only seen him once live, and that was uh, um, it, when the Dodgers were playing the Angels. No, wait, I did see him in spring training once too. But um, did you see I'm him strike to- out Shohei? I did. Oh, yeah, very right, cool experience. Right there. Yes. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I was videoing his first pitch and uh, for for Dodgers Nation, and so they that got they I, they put that out there and he got a ton of views. But yeah, that was exciting. I mean, that the stadium was fired up about that. I mean, uh, future Dodger Shohei Otani after next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to trade for him this year. It would be insane to yeah. give up. You know, our top. 20 prospects or whatever to get them when we can sign them next year. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Right. Um, Dodgers just, front yeah. office knows all that stuff. I promise you. They do. <laughs> and, and that's, and that's the other thing. And we, we know that, um, you know, last year they had a chance to sign Max Scherzer and mm. they offered him a, I think it, the rumor has it, you know, is from Doug McCain with, yeah. you know, with the Dodger nation. He said it, it was like two seventy six or something like that. And the Mets gave him what? Three one thirty. Yeah. And he wasn't, and he again, he didn't show up in the playoffs. And it's not like he's yeah. not a great pitcher. It's just age. Yeah, no doubt. You know? And yeah, well, and, I mean, modern day metrics don't put a whole lot of, of value on experience anymore. As a matter of fact, they almost it almost devalues it because whenever you combine the age versus the experience, the age almost wins out in terms of not valuing that situation. Right. And with the Dodgers, they have to also, you know, you hear the the rumors. Let's might as well throw them out there. Verlander um, and DeGrom, they're two yeah. excellent pitchers. But, you know, DeGrom is fragile. He's always injured. He's always out. And Verlander is 39. Oh, is, is he that young? Yeah. <laughs> 39, 40. Okay. Yeah. 40. It's like, yeah, it seems like he's been here forever, huh? Yeah. Um, but it's like, how much do you invest in in a guy like that? And I I just think if they are trying to reset their their uh, luxury tax issues and stuff like that, and he, they they got to be careful with that. I'd rather if they're going to go get someone, I'd rather try to figure it out in a trade, or do the Sean Mania, Tyler Anderson type deal. Yeah, because I I do I we got to see these guys, and they've got to get real time. It's it's like any any other guy. You can't just go and say, "Hey, Miguel Vargas, we want you to be on the playoff roster, but we're going to hardly play you in September." Yeah, which you could see that thing. coming. Yeah, and the problem with that is, you know, Dodgers, the Dodgers organization is always in win now mode. You know, Ryan Pepio is the perfect case scenario. He yeah. had a three point four nine ERA, and I don't think people understand. You mentioned it. 
when you're flying that plane back and forth from Oklahoma City to L.A. or wherever, Pittsburgh, I think, is where he made his major league debut. Yeah. And then you're having to do spot starts. You feel like you can't make a single mistake, you know, in that one spot start because you don't know if you're going to get another one ever, you know. So you don't get comfortable. And Ryan Pepio definitely is a pitcher that has to feel comfortable. If you look at his – when he first came to AAA Oklahoma City – in 2021 mm. his numbers weren't good he wasn't no. comfortable you know he was facing major league type pitchers that that might have you know a couple thousand major league at bats that happened like a kevin pilar type of guy like yeah. like Oklahoma. you're facing guys like that and if you know if you throw it two inches off the plate they don't swing you know and that's right. an adjustment period from double a it took him a while to adjust to triple a and then last year you know he he was just absolutely completely lights out in triple oh, yeah. City. maybe the best triple yeah, a pitcher in the entire league so he got adjusted is what i'm trying to tell you and it was exactly. what i'm trying to say and so whenever you spot start a guy like ryan pepio he wasn't comfortable as a matter of fact he was in survival mode he was just simply trying to survive so when you talk about those pushes on the changeup or the pulls on the slider mm-hmm. that that's not coming from any kind of talent or something you should be concerned about that's coming from a guy that's not comfortable that's coming from yeah. a guy that that has nerves that, you know, I mean, and, and like we talked about even with injury, but but nerves can do it to you, too. When, you, when you're not comfortable, your body doesn't feel right. Does that make sense when you're not totally relaxed? No. And so that's 100%. where that's coming from. I think if you gave Ryan Pepio a certain amount of starts and you said, hey, we're going to make you comfortable at this mm-hmm. level. You're going to no matter what happens, you're going to get this amount of starts. So go out and do it. I think you get comfortable just like you did last year in AAA. You'd see an entirely different pitcher, and and he would be. You would see the talent there. Not that you didn't see it last year, like you said, you saw the swing and the miss. Mm-hmm. But I think what you also saw was the human side of him. You saw the nerves and that he wasn't comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And if you recall, there was the one game. I don't even remember who they were playing, but it was Pepio got the start, and um, Doc came out mm-hmm. and talked to him. And people thought he was going to get pulled. And Doc said, no, no, you, basically you got this. And, and Pepio got it. He got yeah. things done. And I, I, I think that showing confidence by not only with words, but going, yeah, yeah. we're going to give you. That's it. This is your spot. That's it. You are the fifth starter. And you've got, you, and we're going to give you some runway. I mean, it's it's kind of like with Gavin Lux this this last year. Mm-hmm. The guy had a real nice season until he got hurt, because they they said you're there, you're our guy out. Something there. they had you never know? done for him before. I know, and you just have to get. I'm I'm a believer that you have to give a, a player four months. Yeah, he's got to get comfortable. Yeah, and and it gives, and I don't care who it is. I mean, I was kind of on a leash with the coat Bellinger and Muncie yeah. last year. Um, if you if you can't work it out in four months, I don't think you're working it. Yeah. Now, once he kind of he started like about four and a half months into it, started playing better <laughs> uh, when he did that little foot change. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, yeah, God, yeah. So these are young guys. Yeah. Um, they're that not, are used to being the dudes. So I mean, they're uh-huh. used to getting you know, I mean, whatever innings they need. You know, I mean, they're not used like Gavin Lux. I'm not sure he'd ever sat on the bench in his life. You know, so I mean, whenever you're looking at, hey, if I don't get a hit here, I might not play for two more games. That's a scenario yeah. and an emotion and and a feeling over his body he has never had to deal with before. So yeah, and I, I look at the way that some of these other teams. I mean, I, I hate to mention them, but the Astros. Um, you know, they replaced their shortstop. But see, Jeremy and, Pena got to play every day at the same position. 
Exactly. So he was able to get comfortable. The Dodgers exactly. never seemed to be in a position like like Gavin, like you mentioned with Gavin Lux. Finally, he got to play second. But you know, I'll give you an example. A guy that actually got to do that is Will Smith, and yeah. you know, he got he, no matter what he got to catch. And there's been some ups and downs. You know, the first postseason that that Will Smith played wasn't great. Austin Barnes had to come in, caught the last pitch for the 2020 World Series. We all yep. remember that. So there's been some ups and downs, but I think it's been a smoother transition for him. Per, per se, because he's got to be the everyday catcher. Right. That makes sense. And they did that. They did that with Seager. They did it. Yes, with, correct. Um, with Even Bellinger. and Seager came up in a tougher spot than most because yeah. he came up during you know after the 2015 season, he came up during the playoffs. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm just you know so with whoever they they're going to go with is their fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever starter of these guys got to just let him go. Yep. You know, if you if you want to keep him in the minor, that's fine, but use someone else for, you know, get use someone else to 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 quote abuse. Um not not your top 10 prospects. You yeah. know, it, these guys are You're talking about valuable. being being on the the flight plan going back and forth and oh, never man. knowing where you're going to be the next day. The Mitchell White plans what you called it earlier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh man, and it's it's got it's a lot tougher than guys. people think. You forget, you know, you see these professionals and they're so good at what they do. You forget they're humans, man. I mean, it's a tough I, I deal. Just, yeah, I just, you know, I just flew out to Florida for a few days and it just kicked the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, just that flight, you know, because you stop, I had to stop in the middle and all that. And, and that's exhausting. And I know yeah. they have probably better flights. They're probably getting first class and all that. But, you know, still. It's exhausting to go through the time changes. Yep. I mean, that's just that's the worst. But um, yeah, I, I I just want to see these guys get a real chance. So I think we're on the same page there with Ryan Pepio. We've talked a little bit about Gavin Stone. We'll get back to him. Hey, let's dive into Bobby Miller. And I got a chance to see him quite a bit last year yeah. in Tulsa and then in Oklahoma City. And I think what people need to realize about him is ERA was in the mid four somewhere, and he did give yeah. up some home runs, and he had a couple of games where where quite frankly he struggled from a statistical perspective. You know, like there were two or three games to where, you know, if, if you're not paying attention, you might say, well, what's wrong with Bobby Miller? He struggled. But then what you didn't look at is he actually fought through some adversity and made it through like, say, mm-hmm. seven innings. So it actually, from a minor league perspective, was a very successful situation because one of the, the situations in minor leagues is, is – you know these these guys have always been dudes. You know, I mean, they always they yeah. they haven't dealt with a whole lot of failure in their life. So one of the things you have to learn about prospects in the minor leagues is, okay, well they're going to have failure eventually because these are some pretty good guys they're playing against. How are they going to handle it when it happens? And so I can tell you this: watching and Ryan Pepio's in the same boat. They all are, but but as far as being able to visibly see it. Bobby Miller is one of the most competitive dudes I have ever seen take the ball, mm. and I'm telling you, when he gives up a hit, he's pissed. I mean, he is. Oh, re- so so he's <laughs> he's got the Walker Bueller dog oh, in him. Yeah, he's got that dog <laughs> in him, and it. You know, I mean, he is just visibly upset. He does not like yeah. to give up a single hit. And another thing about the minor leagues is, you know, you try to expand your game does it make sense so hey yeah. let's use this next year and a half before i'm actually throwing meaningful innings in terms of towards a divisional race or something like that and let's see if i can't broaden my horizons if i yeah. can't add an extra pitch if i can change kind of the mix and the percentages of what i'm throwing this to give hitters a different look and while you're doing that there's an adjustment period and i think bobby right. miller 
squarely was in that last year. I think there were times where he was force-feeding his off-speed stuff. And I think if he would have just thrown his fastball and maybe his slider and a couple of curveballs and then thrown in a couple of change-ups and went with more of a mix like that, he could have dominated and had better numbers. But, you know, it's not about putting up good numbers in the Dodgers organization, in the minor right. leagues. It's about growing. Does it make sense? And broadening oh, your horizons. And by the time, percent. Yeah. No, I, I see that in Rancho where there was one game that I was at the the Quakes guys hit yeah. eight different batters. Yeah, um, they're not and and they're not focused on okay. We're finding the command. They are working on hey, let's get the velocity going. Yeah. Let's get the pitch mix going. Let's work on things. I know it cost them some games. I know the players are really competitive and want to win, and I that's good. But at the same time, they're working on things all the time. And that's what we want to see. I feel bad for the opponents who are getting plunked that much. Yeah. And that there weren't any, I guess there weren't weren't even any fights during the season, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, But that's, you know, the scout, I I talked to a couple scouts about it and they knew that they knew what was going on too. They just know that's, they're not trying to hit anybody. They're just trying to learn. Yeah, no doubt. And I think Bobby Miller was kind of in that adjustment period. So the organization could use all the stat cast data to throw it into the mix and see, okay, let's throw this in here. Let's actually evaluate from a statistical and data perspective what actually makes Bobby Miller the most effective. We know he has the 100-plus fastball, right? We already know that's there. We know he has the big curveball, the changeup. We know the stuff. But let's see as far as in terms of, of mix goes, you know, how, yeah. how often should he be throwing the fastball? How many curveballs a game? How many change-ups a game? To lefties, how does he throw the curve? Does he need to be throwing curveballs or does he need to be throwing change-ups to lefties? Does the slider – you know, I think the Dodgers – and I don't know this, but just from what I saw with my own eyes and being in the game as much as I have, I think they were trying to put all that together last season for yeah. him. And sometimes it came out with – mistake pitches that got hit over the fence that I don't yeah. think you're going to see in the future just simply because they were and, – and and I, and what I'm trying to tell fans is the, the guys like Rob Hill that know so much about baseball, they know that. You know, they're yeah. not worried about the, the pitch that, that just got hit over the fence because they know it's, it's, it's a development situation that they're force-feeding and, and trying to let a guy broaden his horizon. So Bobby Miller, the 100-plus fastball – and he, he was a four-pitch guy last year, fastball, changeup, curveball, and slider. And I'll tell you what, when he throws – when he dislocates his fastball on either the inner half or outer half, doesn't have to be perfect. Just throw it on the half, not not perfect on the black. And then just throws his off-speed in it for a strike anywhere in the zone. His stuff is overwhelming. He is going to be a top-shelf Major League Baseball pitcher for a long, long time. Him, Pepio, Gavin Stone – Michael Grove, wow. There's there's quite a future there with those four. I, I agree. Now they just got to get a chance. Yeah, and no doubt. This is, I think this is, I know fans are kind of going, they're nervous. You know, I threw out a lineup yesterday. Yeah. Of what they currently You like have. Vargas and I, left, huh? I do. Um, <laughs> Muncie's okay at third. I mean, it's not the greatest Boy, thing, Vargas and left you know, and Muncie at third. And, and like I said, Muncie you know me, third. I'm not critical at all, but... <laughs> yeah, and then locks it short. <laughs> I, and Michael yeah, Bush so at second. That's that's. Uh, I, there's. I kind of go back and forth on. Yeah. That. I, I I look at because right now they don't even have a DH, and then we don't so, even have a center fielder yet. So. <laughs> so well, we've got Altman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. 
Na- so named, if, uh, you know, an established guy that we yeah, like, no, know. Yeah, and uh, exactly. But I, I tell you, I'm getting on the uh, Jacob Maya bandwagon yep. for shortstop. You know, I've and people you- talk about Willie Adamas and trading for yeah. him. I mean, you watch Jacob Amaya play and then watch Willie Adamas play. I mean, it's they look exactly the same. I mean, they yeah. literally do. Yeah. I mean, they're the the worry, of course, is Amaya's bad. But okay, bat him ninth. So what? See what he can do. Because I I still I believe. Well, in him. he hit 17 home runs last year, yeah. and his on base percentage was good. His OPS was good, and his batting average was right around 260. Uh, and, you know, yeah. if you can throw Jacob Amaya in that nine hole with the defense he's going to play, I, I have, mm-hmm. you know, we've both done big features on him. I actually did a feature cut for both Dodgers 80 and for what was yep. Dodger Poker Report, now Dodgers Daily. Done a, and, and so if, go to either one of those sites and check that out. He is such a great defender on the run. He, I yeah. mean, he's, he's, and you, you caught me onto this. You've been in the dugout with him. He is a leader. He has fire in his yeah, belly. Yeah. Something that, you know, Dodgers fans, we know one day is the same as the next. There's not enough fire. Hey, Jacob Amaya, he's going to bring that fire, is he not? I love it. Yeah. And I, I, I love that because, yeah. And, and remember, the shift is going yeah. away. It's not near as, yeah. there's still going to be some shifting. But if I have an infield with Gavin Lux at second and Jacob Amaya yeah. at short, yeah. I'm in pretty good shape. I might be able to yeah. live with Max Muncy or Miguel Vargas at third. Because also Freddie Freeman is going to be saving a lot of balls yep. over there at first. Yep. And all of a sudden, my defense is getting better. I mean, to be honest, Trey Turner disappointed the heck out of me on his defense. He was just average. I thought he was supposed to be better than that, but he wasn't. Um, I still like him a yeah. lot, no, but no, no. I, I'd I, like I, to have I, him back. <laughs> yeah, but if we're yeah. if we're not going to have him, and yeah. it's a matter of you know spending thirty million, for there is 10 a chance years, you could upgrade the defense at shortstop next year. I think that's what yeah. you're saying. Exactly. And it could be Amaya. Yep. We've got about five do- minutes left, Tim. I don't yep. mean to cut you off there, but yeah. time is running out on us. So yeah. hey, we, ha- we, we've talked a little bit about Pepio, Bobby Miller, and we've talked about Gavin Stone a little bit. I wanted to also, I wanted to go back to Michael Grove because he's, he's mm-hmm. one that Dodgers fans got to see last year. And I wanted to mention that, you know, Michael Grove's always had that big curveball. I think Dodgers fans saw that. But what he started doing last year is he started throwing more of a harder breaking ball, a slider-type pitch. Mm. And the reason why he did that was, you know, that big breaking ball, he has to start so high that it doesn't tunnel off of his fastball. You know, you, oh. hitters can definitely tell the difference between his curveball yeah. and his fastball because his curveball starts like five inches higher than his fastball, right? Whereas oh, okay. the reason why guys like to throw sliders nowadays is that you can start that slider at that exact same height that they, they call it a right. tunnel, right? That yeah. exact same tunnel, but instead of having that backspin that the forcing fastballs have and and continuing to carry the top of that zone, that slider then breaks left, and then right. they also tunnel that that changeup off that same location, and then that changeup tumbles and breaks right, which is why they like the changeup slider and fastball combo that slider is something that was new to him last year and that tunneling aspect of the slider so i think you're going to see next year michael grove improve on that aspect and we've seen in this dodgers organization you know rob hill does a great job of teaching that concept we've seen when guys figure that out they make really quick leaps really fast so i'm excited to see how michael grove handles that next year so it is just for the for everybody, you know, the curveball is you know over the top finger. Yeah, you know, it, right. Uh, and so if it's coming out, it's kind of 
be a little bit higher. Is that Correct. what you're saying? Basically, yes, that it's going to start. It's going to start way up here. Yeah, and then the fastball is going to say start there. So a hitter is going to be able to say, "Well, here's the curveball here." So I know it's a curveball because it's higher, right? Whereas when you're throwing a slider, the slider and fastball both come out here. The fastball stays. The slider breaks. So right. that that's why that slider gives a more of a deception to it. And that was something that was new to Michael Grove last year that he added to his game. I think he did a good job with it. But when you're trying to implement changes yeah. at the major league level, <laughs> yeah, you giggle, right? It's tough, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! I, 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 every, every, like every month, I'll just throw it out. Baseball is hard on. Oh Twitter. my goodness, yes. Can you imagine? No, these guys are professionals. And they have to notice that stuff in yeah. order to recognize pitches. I mean, that is, gosh, it's such a yeah. freaking hard game. <laughs> it's tough. And and it, and especially in an organization like the Dodgers, because they're always in win-now mode, so there's no such thing as developing. Prospects have to come to LA with the you know, with their feet yeah. running on the ground. They don't have a month or two months to struggle, or they're not in the lineup because the Dodgers yeah. can't afford to give up games, you know. So it's a tough situation in this organization. But hey, we've got yeah. a minute 45 left, Tim. Yeah. I know it's gone way too fast. It's going to be a whole lot of fun doing this. At least every week we've talked about maybe doing this, you know, throughout the week if there's something like a Rule 5 draft that comes up that we want to talk about. But but hey, final thoughts. We've got a minute and a half. Yeah, just to continue the thing of um, we got to give these guys a chance, though, at some point to go, let's give Pepio a chance or somebody and let them ride and let them fail and let them Stay, but not get sent right back to OKC. Um, yeah, let them ride a bit. I would agree with that, and I think, and I'm going to stick with it. Of course, you never can have too much pitching. I understand that, but yeah. I don't think the Dodgers need to go out and break that luxury tax tax bank to go get a starter uh, because I think they have the four guys: Gonsolin, May, Yarias, and then Kershaw. And then between the four rookies, I think you can make a pretty good staff. If you end up feeling like you still need a number one pitcher. For the playoffs, I think you can go hit that at the trade deadline. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. But, again, the Dodgers front office is the best in the game. They make the right decision way more than they make the wrong decision. So we'll end on that thought. So, hey, Tim, thank you so much. We're going to end it right there. Thanks, Casey. See you soon.